All right. So I want you to do some real journalism stuff for me right now. I want you to do your best to describe where we're at right now. We are literally in the middle of nowhere. Like if you look at a map, we wouldn't even come up. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome back to the pod. Join us today. Join me and the boss man on a tropical island for a little bit of a workcation. What's more on brand than that? That's right. Recently, I packed up my laptop and not much else and flew to the Philippines to meet with Ian to talk about our 2020 plans. And one of the things that was just on the top of our mind is this idea of sort of the country behind the country. And that's the Philippines, the place we're going to talk about today, a place that's had an enormous impact on this community. We've talked over the years about the idea of the micro multinational business. And just as you design a lifestyle, you also design a business. Like where's your addressable market? Where are you going to live to reduce maybe your tax burden or to be the most productive? Where are you going to do your payment processing and banking? And of course, where are you going to hire? And although it's not mentioned every time on the show, So many of us staff our businesses, create our products in the country of the Philippines. So the impact that this country of over 100 million English speakers has been enormous in the TMBA community. And today we're going to talk about that, how hiring in the Philippines has played out in our business and whether or not this is still the place for entrepreneurs looking to build their teams. But first, and just for fun, let's set the scene of where we are and what we're doing. We are literally in the middle of nowhere on a jungle island in the Philippines, Boracay. The water is crystal clear blue. You can see the mountains or hills in the background. Uh, The jungle is thick. It goes all the way up to the beach. It's probably one of the most beautiful beaches I've ever been to. If you look out, we're standing like in the waves right now. The turquoise water extends about 150 meters. There's a bunch of tourists here. I guess a lot of people from Manila come here on the weekends. Looks like a lot of South Koreans, some Chinese, a lot of people from Europe and America. This is straight up a holiday destination. One thing that was surprising to me being here is that it seems like a lot of the tourists are Filipino. That's really been my experience all across the Philippines. So this conversation is really interesting because 10 years ago, these same waves were on this podcast, like episode number 12 or 13 or whatever. I washed up on this beach seeking to hire people. Probably not the most strategic location (laughs) to end up, but it's interesting to come back 10 years later and have the same insight, which is, you know, this isn't an international tourist hotspot necessarily. And uh, that's part of the charm of the place. So I guess they shut the island down uh, for about six months. It was getting trashed by tourism. They shut it down. They reopened it with a bunch of new rules. There's all these electronic trikes 
that take you around, which is pretty cool. But uh, we got on one of the traditional motorcycles. So it's like a sidecar with a motorcycle from the 70s and it stinks <laughs> and it bumps up and down and it has like the family name on it. It's super fun. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fun. The road to get to the resort where we are, and I say resort loosely, it's a hotel on the beach, is basically still unfinished. The sewer system is kind of still exposed next to the road. The road is unfinished. It's It still seems like a work in progress. So what's your travel review of a Baraka? What's your review on it? Well, I think it's like most things that are difficult to do or to get to. It's it's that way for a reason. Like It's extremely beautiful. Uh, we're going to go on a private boat trip tomorrow. You know, there just isn't a lot to do here, which I find to be nice. One of the things that I'm surprised about not being in the Philippines for, I guess, five or six years now is the internet's gotten quite good. So, uh, man, I used to remember running around the Philippines with like multiple hotspots. Yeah. Like, like the Wi-Fi was like very hard to find. It was very hard to find a consistent cell signal. But here we are in Borkai and I've been able to do everything, including Skype, video, wire uh, transfer. Yeah. So I think that the infrastructure in terms of the Wi-Fi has really improved, which is nice. We're going to be here for seven days and it, it feels about right. Yeah, I agree with your review. I mean, it, for me, seven days is, is way too long here because there's like nothing to do. But you cannot hyperbolize the stunning beauty that is the primary beach and, and this whole island, really. If that's what you're looking for, that like Robinson Crusoe with amenity and that postcard, you can find it right here in Boracay. And, you know, we also talk about Manila as a very strategic city for business but also a very tough city to live in. So if you combine a little bit, of, little bit of the island life with a little bit of that city life, you know, a place like this can really make the big city bearable. We're going to talk about productivity coming up here, but one of the things I love coming to this is I get a chance to reflect and think in a way that I don't always, you know, in the day-to-day grind when you got your calls and your Skypes and all that kind of stuff. Coming to a resort like this already two people at my resort because you know you get to know everybody in there everybody's walking the same hallways and everything already two people have said to me i'm working too much (laughs) (laughs) for me it really is a cool situation you know people joke like you know you can't really work on the beach oh contraire my friend i actually think you know we opened up the laptops right on the beach yesterday we talked for four hours about 2020 what we're planning and uh it's a reflective environment for me and it's also sort of a, a different space it isn't weird to sit around at the same table all day long, to watch the beach, to reflect, do some writing, some planning. If you need to get a big project done or if you want to think about your business, sometimes booking a ticket to someplace like this is just what the doctor ordered. So, boss man, I don't think it would be a good idea for us to actually do the podcast here in the waves. <laughs> it's a little sunny. So how about we walk back up to the resort and uh, get started with the episode? All right, so we're back inside. So if you haven't worn shoes in three days, you might be in the Philippines. If you pay a decent amount of money for a nice hotel room and you still hear hammering and drilling, you might be in the Philippines. (laughs) If you're at a five-star resort and you feel it totally appropriate to play a practical joke on the staff and they in turn play a practical joke on you, you might be in the Philippines. If you see a basketball court with a rum sponsor on the backboard, you might be in the Philippines. But maybe most importantly, 
if you walk down the street and strangers smile at you and say hello in English, you might be in the Philippines. Yeah, you're definitely in the Philippines. One of the friendliest, you know, it's interesting. A few years ago, I was in Times Square and they had just come out with this new marketing slogan called It's More Fun in the Philippines. I remember having sort of mixed feelings about it. But in retrospect, that ad campaign has really aged well because after 10 years of coming to this country regularly, actually having lived here, that is really what endures about this place for me is just how fun it is, just how fun the people are, the kind of open minds, the quick to laughs, and the genuineness of it all. You and I have been traveling for like the better part of 10 years together. It's cool to get back with you here in the Philippines. Uh, we haven't been back together in the Philippines for a long time. You know, just sitting here at the resort, like watching people. One of the things that's really easy to do when you're on vacation, quote vacation in a place like the Philippines is to make it all about you. One of my favorite things to do is just sit back and like make it about the Philippines. That's part of what this trip is about. Uh, it's just like watching the Philippines and like seeing what's changed and like understanding how I'm a part of it still and what place does it have in our business at this date and time. I think when I first came to the Philippines, I was one of these people that, you know, why isn't it this way? They should do this, you know, a naive outsider. And it's just a very uninteresting intellectually uninspiring place to be in life, the Mr. Know-it-all. And if you flip it upside down and you look at it the other way, there's so many fascinating reasons why things are the way they are. And it's deep. Even things like, well, why is this street under construction in this way? Or there are reasons behind these things. For example, like, why is there always metal grinders going all the time? Well, somehow, you know, the labor, the minimum wage here is under $200 a month that economically across the country it makes more sense to have people fabricate railings and metal structures like on the construction site rather than going to a prefab shop. You know, not only is that overhead expense, but distribution of materials in the Philippines is very expensive and complicated. You have a country of 7,000 islands. And so you talk about administrative hassles and getting things done. And it's like, look, like you are set up in this situation where you've got 7,000 islands connected by ferries and a network of, of small boats and things. And it, it's just really tough to get things done. It's a place for adventure. It's a place for lowered expectations. It's not going to be everything's just rip roaring, buy a ticket, get on the thing, show up, you know, great service. It's not going to be like that. You know, you got to work in some time around your itinerary in case things go wrong, in case the schedule doesn't come through. Because I promise you something's going to go wrong. The reason I'm here, Dan, partially is because of a wedding, and then I convinced you to come over, which is nice. It might be worth mentioning that you brought the little boss man with you. There's this kind of idea out there that once you have kids, start putting a fence in the yard, that maybe the adventure travels over, but not for you. He's loving it. Like It's his favorite thing to go on the trike. He just turned two while we were here, so he had his birthday while we were here. It's amazing because everybody loves hanging out with them. The waitresses are picking them up. They're taking them away. It's like built-in babysitters here. It's really fun for him. I would worry way more about my kid running around as free as he is in New York City 
or a lot most places in the United States than I would here. I almost feel like he's kind of being watched by a lot of different people at any given time, especially at the resort. I don't think like memories start for like another year or two. <laughs> he's obviously not going to remember it. And hopefully daddy doesn't run out of money before he can take more trips like this. That's what I keep telling him. Like, all right, we just got to keep this up, man. You want to come back here? I do think that it will have some kind of impact. I don't know enough about child psychology or how the brain works, but you know, he has having a lot of varied experiences and certainly travels one of them, you know, he was in Spain with you last year. And uh, he's getting to see a lot of different things. It probably smells really different here. The food tastes really different. So hopefully it'll leave some kind of impression on him. So five points we're going to get to in today's episode. Number one is our Philippine story. I'm going to talk about how this country came into our business and it's played a major role. We're going to talk about our industry story. And why the Philippines is right there behind so many of the brands and businesses that you hear on this show. We're going to talk about what this country is great for in terms of business, what it's bad for. And we're also going to share some tips on how to hire and do business in this country and who it might be an opportunity for. So I want to give you a little bit of a background. I came to the Philippines in 2009 because of a podcast like you're listening to right now. And so for me, the Philippines is more than, you know, a country or a tactic or even a strategy. It's almost a belief system. It's one of these things where you need a way forward in your business. And yeah, you can drink more coffee and respond to more email. But sometimes like an idea just comes through that's so powerful that you're sort of like, maybe if we did that. Maybe that's the ticket. And early on in our careers, a lot of that was like walking around at stores and stuff, looking at things saying, is it made in China? That was like this operating system, this belief that you could go make things in China and that somehow that would be a business. And for me, hearing on this podcast one day, walking around in San Diego in my earbuds just after a long day of work or whatever we were doing, hearing someone come on a podcast just like this and say, if you don't know about the Philippines yet, you're missing out on an enormous business opportunity. Of course, I'm thinking, I don't know about the Philippines yet. I mean, I had already spent a great deal of time in Vietnam, and I had zero visibility on the Philippines. Like, no one talks about it. None of my friends knew about the Philippines. It was, it was just blank. And now, all of a sudden, I'm walking around listening to a podcast about internet marketing, and they're saying, did you know that Filipinos have a school system that was implemented by the Americans. Did you know that the Philippines used to be an American colony? Did you know that over 100 million people live in the Philippines? And did you know that their national language is English? There's also a Filipino, but English is a national language, official national language. And then they're saying, did you know the minimum wage is XXX? And did you know that college graduates make $300 a month? And I'm listening to all this, and it's like, at this point, Ian, it's bigger than a, a tactic or whatever. It's like an operating system. Like, how powerful could our business be if we took action on this one little thing that we heard on a podcast? And so I think at the time, we had employed a PHP developer for our e-commerce store. He was in California, and it was really expensive. Like expensive to the point where we couldn't get much done because we just couldn't afford them. Yeah. Well, also because he had a job, if I recall correctly. And so we were paying him on the weekends and he had a family. And so 
it was like every other weekend he would do four hours of work for us. And then we get the bill at the end of the month. And it was like 3000 bucks for these like weekend work things. And we, we were sitting there like basically being like WTF, like, what are we going to do? It was a huge problem. That was what we were banging our heads against. And I had spent time in Vietnam. Did you come visit me that first Vietnam trip back in 2008? I think that you did. Because you must have done a factory thing and then swung through. Anyway, so that first Vietnam trip, we were like aware of the idea that you could hire people in these other countries, which is, I mean, this is only 10 years ago. This is like before you could find them easily online. It was like a best pH jobs or something like that that we were using. It was like before Upwork and all this stuff. Yeah. And having been in Vietnam and having hired a few people there for other clients, you could see the potential. Like, oh my gosh, these are like really smart people. They really appreciate these salaries that I can actually afford this is a big opportunity, but at least in Vietnam at the time, the English just wasn't there. So you needed basically like a cultural go-between and there's a big expense there. Like somebody that like had an equal handle on both cultures, like a fixer almost, right? And so I kind of realized, well, that's just not going to work out for us. So I'm back in California. We're dealing with this expensive developer. And then I hear this podcast. I go to you and I'm like, airplane time, like this is the ticket. And it wasn't but a few weeks later that I'm sitting in Manila talking to who would become our future PHP developer. So fast forward, we had at any given time over the past decade, a handful of Filipinos working for us full time. And those tasks range from customer service to content and research to PHP development to design like you know the dynamite circle logos and the t-shirts for dcpkk and all this kind of stuff a lot of what's come across the tmba podcast and dynamite circle all that kind of stuff has been done by filipino staff so this country's really been a a big part of our story in fact on tuesday i'm going to go meet with a full-time staff member that lives in manila so this country has just always always been there as we go along. So I think it's kind of cool that we're sitting here like just talking about it and sort of reflecting back on the past 10 years. Yeah. If there's one country outside of the United States that we've hired more people from, it's definitely the Philippines. Exactly. So let's then talk about our second point, which is our industry story. And you know, that podcast that I heard over 10 years ago now was just a canary in the coal mine. And so many of the products, if you're just listening to this podcast casually, that you purchase for your business, that you hear about on this podcast, so many of them are supported by a robust back-end Filipino team or Philippines-based team. And it's cool to look at over the years how much of an impact this country has had on the internet marketing industry. So much of the SEO industry, so much of design, development, creative stuff on the web, all kinds of like English web resource backend stuff. A lot of it originates here in the Philippines, even if the front end of that brand might be a Western persona or a Western sales team or tech team or whatever. A lot of that backend stuff is coming from the Philippines And you can see it when you walk through Manila. You can see 
entire portions of the city that are just skyscrapered out and full of young professionals going to work at BPO firms, which are business process outsourcing firms. This is the number one location in the world to outsource voice work. You know, if you're calling your cable company about a problem with your bill, that phone call might be coming here to the Philippines. But it goes much deeper than that when you look at business process outsourcing. You look at like companies like Deutsche Bank, for example, getting all kinds of back end administrative work done for their company here in the Philippines. And the same deal when you look down to smaller companies like ours, like so many of the stories that we feature on today's show, like the history of you know, making money online, there's a big Philippines chapter because the pioneers of the make money online movement were the English web. And now all of a sudden you've got a country full of 100 million people that have low cost English labor. And it's just kind of a, a match that's obvious. And one that I think when we heard that message 10 years ago, the light bulb went off in us and in so many else in our industry is like, this is the obvious place to get a plane ticket to. One of the reasons for that, Dan, I think is because, especially for Americans, like American and Filipino culture, it's not so different from each other. We're both very young countries. Like we haven't like cemented our ideas for thousands of years. Like we don't have this identity that's like hard as a rock. It's like a little bit more fluid. And I think we share that with Filipinos. That's part of the reason why we get along so well when we're here with them, I think, and why we get along in our working relationships too, is because I think we understand each other a lot better. I know we're going to talk about like what instances it works well and what instances it doesn't work so well. Yeah. But I do think it's worth pointing out, you know, and it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, you could look back at the politics of it and you could say, you know, this was America's only colony. The Spanish, you know, impact on the country is remarkably limited for how long they were here. And there's a, there's a big backstory to why that's the case. They sort of left their nomenclature. Like everybody has like these long Spanish names. There's Spanish influence here for sure, but I wouldn't necessarily say there's like a Spanish mindset. I think it would be overly simplistic too to say, of course, like the Americans rubbed off their system, but the Americans did leave a lot of sort of social infrastructure lying around, particularly schooling system, governmental system, stuff like that. I like your insight that it is a young culture. And I think that that's something that you know, Americans both suffer from and benefit from. There's a kind of an open-mindedness or a willingness to break rules or basically not care all that much about them. There's all kinds of things that I think that younger cultures can enjoy or get a benefit from. And I have Filipino friends and some people have asked, you know, do you ever come into like a cultural disconnect with the Filipino friends? And it's like, I think I have more of a cultural disconnect with my parents than I do like my Filipino friends, you know? So no mention of the Philippines could really be done without mentioning that like there's an ongoing cultural interchange between America and the Philippines. You look at it with BPO. I mean, the biggest industry in this, I mean, one of the things that's really remarkable about the Philippines is how few natural resources they have. I mean, it's one of these kind of places that, you know, when the Spanish colonized South America, they like brought in some the heavy equipment, so to speak. When they took over the Philippines, they sent a few priests. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a whole lot of upside for them here. And that's really been the story of the Philippines. I mean, there's not a lot going on economically, relatively speaking. And now all of a sudden, 
it became the people that were the resources, people on the phones, people doing creative work, people doing video editing and making software and writing articles and writing books and all this kind of stuff that has really been the opportunity. But there's also like every Filipino knows somebody that lives in America. I mean, there's over 2 million Filipinos in America. The other day I was at a restaurant and there was minor league NBA basketball highlights on the television. I mean, Filipinos love the NBA way more than Americans do. I mean, just imagine that, you know, in another cultural crossover. It's very deep, this kind of uh, cross the aisle thing. Hey, what up, listeners? By now, you'll be well aware that we've had an amazing sponsor the last quarter of this year. His name is Travis Jamison. And he's the guy behind Smash Digital and Smash VC. His team has been sharing their years of tried and tested SEO experience with listeners of this show through their free mini audits. If you haven't gotten yours yet, head over to smashdigital.com TMBA. I thought it would be a good moment to give Travis a call and ask him why he decided to write us such a large sponsorship check. I grew up with the Tropical MBA. That's where I, I learned half the stuff I know. Like, these are my people that I align with, that I understand. Why did you guys decide to do free SEO audits for the TMBA listeners? Is this just a ruthless client generation tactic? So it's actually not. I think what we're doing mostly is showing that, hey, we really know what we're talking about. I would say 99% of anyone who's gotten an audit back they're usually impressed with the amount of information, like usable information that we give them. Yeah, you did one for me. It was eye-opening, to say the least. You guys are unique, though, in... I wouldn't call you necessarily thirsty for new clients. Do you know what I mean by that? Our long-term goal is to stop taking clients. Our long-term goal is to just work on our own internal projects and like partnerships that we've created over the years with different companies, like... Sometimes clients get you know a nice ROI and everybody's happy. But then sometimes clients come in, we literally make them millions of dollars. And it just kind of seems silly to be charging a couple grand a month for that when we can be doing so much more for ourselves and being able to wrap ourselves completely around a project. Because you know, SEO is only one side of it. There's, there's so many other things besides SEO that really go into it. And our team has so many years of experience that it just makes sense to, to start doing that. We're on month three of you underwriting the show or being the sponsor. What's like the narrative that Smash Digital has about this campaign? Our entire brand is built on word of mouth. We haven't advertised until now. The company's like close to nine years old at this point. We felt like it was time to put ourselves out there a little bit. And we even gotten some people saying like, oh, you guys are still doing this? So we're just letting them know, like, hey, we're still here, we're still crushing it, doing the same stuff, only better and higher quality. The one and only Travis Jamison, everyone, of Smash Digital and, of course, Smash VC. Check out those aforementioned free SEO audits at smashdigital.com slash TMBA. So, you know, what's the Philippines great for in 2019? Well, we sat down and kind of tried to figure out what's changed since we first came here 10 years ago. I think part of what's changed is the platforms online to be able to hire people internationally. I think in the last couple of years, we've seen people in businesses, internet-based businesses, hiring people in Eastern Europe, 
other places in Southeast Asia in America too. Yeah, like it's been amazing to see that there's these like groups in America that are asserting themselves as online forces to be reckoned with in the same way that we might generalize about like Filipino people. So one is people with disabilities. One is work from home moms have a huge flex. One is people with partners that like live in a weird place where their career isn't relevant. So there's all these kinds of like little sub niches rather than just saying, oh, just one country full of people or whatever. In the beginning, like it was the go-to place for us. And then as the years have evolved, I think, you know, we've kind of said like, okay, this is good in the Philippines still, or like, oh, this might be good in Eastern Europe, or this might be good for an American. I think there's a lot more people online that are willing to do the same types of things for almost a similar price as Filipinos are. And that changed, I think, in 10 years. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play a little game called What I'm Going to the Philippines For. And I'm going to list off the business opportunities in which I'm still coming to the Philippines and I want you to critique it. Number one, I am running a small SaaS company that services a narrow industrial niche or a small targeted niche. I need a full stack developer to work with me on a full-time daily basis to keep the software chugging along alive and feature requests coming in from my customers. I am location independent and have a small team of less than five people. I am still coming to the Philippines to hire that developer. I'd say you could find them in the Philippines, but certainly you could find them a lot of places. I have a productized service that's very focused, that is pretty process oriented, and that demands good profit margins. I need anywhere from five to 15 administrative tasks or marketing staff to deliver the productized services to my customers. I'm still coming to the Philippines. I would agree with you on that. So again, I think what's changed is that the internet has opened even wider for opportunities for people living abroad. And the reason, Dan, I don't think is necessarily to like improve your profit margins in these companies. For us, it was like a means of survival. Like we actually had to find low cost ways to get things done to become competitive in the markets that we wanted to play in. Like we weren't established. So we just couldn't have people making $75,000 a year right out of the gate. We needed to figure out a way to do it for cheaper. And the Philippines was a lot of the, the answer to that back in the day. Well, in the information era, that's actually how you make a product. If you think about it, I was speaking with a friend this morning who has a, a new idea for productized service that he's pitching to an anchor client next week. And it's like the core economics of a services, service-based product is how many man hours are going to go into it? What's their expertise and what's it going to cost you? you know? And so that's why I was talking at the top of the episode, why the Philippines was more of like a belief system for us or like an operating system like it's a tool in your belt. Like all of a sudden I have like X number of skill, X number of emotional energy and actual output can be had for this dollar figure. Like that's a tool in your war chest when you're going to think about a business or a new product. And that's why it's a big deal to like know about this kind of stuff, you know, this kind of idea that, oh, you're going to outsource it or this or that. It's like, it's too simplistic because there's a whole industries based on the fact that the workforce is now global. It's not just as simple as like, oh, it should have been done in the US or it could have been done. Like these products don't exist if they're being done by the quote traditional workforce in America. 
that was certainly the case for our competitors. Like they simply weren't doing the things that we wanted to do. They right. weren't doing internet marketing. And of course you can't do internet marketing if you have to pay someone $50,000 a year to do it the first year. So anything I'd say, Dan, that's intro to mid-level, still a great thing to, to have done in the Philippines. We're talking about like some of these like high-end tasks that we needed to get done in our company. And I almost think like these high-end tasks outside of like development are still like very cultural. Like once you start to get to this level where you're dealing with clients or customers or you have like product vision or product market fit or like really high level marketing, all that stuff I think is like very cultural, honestly. And like you're probably better off, or at least it's been my experience, like hiring if you're serving the American market, hiring Americans, because you almost have to think alike with your customers. Yeah, we're hiring and, people with direct experience, which it would be very strange to find someone in the Philippines with direct experience. But that might not be true of the category of, say, video editing. I mean, right. or high, I think you can find high end creative work here in the Philippines quite a bit. A lot of high end developers. Obviously, there's people developing websites in the Philippines. Like you can find those people too. But yeah, I mean, if you need like this kind of grand integrator and you're going to hire someone that's like on the other side of the world or whatever, I mean, you're asking for the challenge. Right. Like you mentioned, video. You know, we we're at this wedding this weekend and they were taking photos and videos. And then we go to the reception, which was like at 9 p.m. They had stitched together a video with like audio and like amazing quality from like the four hours before. This would be one of the example of like one of these things I call like a power niche here where you can like get a ringer for your company. I think one of those is design. But one of those is like, you know, the Philippines is an enormous vlogging culture. So YouTubers are everywhere here in the Philippines. Because of that, there's a lot of people with amazing video editing skills. So I mean, you could find a successful YouTuber potentially to where you're dropboxing all your videos and they're pumping out like a professional looking vlog for you every day. Like that's a real opportunity for marketers or for entrepreneurs seeking uh, to get quality people on their team. Dan, this is all feeling uh, very much like a love letter to the Philippines. It is. And I think in part it is a love letter to the Philippines. And I think part of the reason we're able to write this is because we spend a fair amount of time here. And that's always one of the things that I'm amazed with people that have businesses that are hiring people in other parts of the world that have never been there before, or they like never met these people. It's like, I think we have a working understanding of this country and, and somewhat of like how the people think here. And because of that, I, I think you still, you can't work off those assumptions. Like you actually have to show up and you have to talk to these people. And so next week you are showing up, you're meeting with somebody that's been working with us for the last six months. Um, and you're going to sit down in a cafe, I presume at the mall somewhere with some good air conditioning. Of course. <laughs> and you're going to go over these projects. You know, if you want to hire somebody in the Philippines, you want to hire somebody in Eastern Europe, America, whatever, I cannot imagine not hanging out with them. And I think the Philippines, because it's such a difficult place to get to, I think a lot of people don't do it. But the value we've seen, Dan, in like showing up and talking with people and hiring people in this country the last 10 years has been amazing. Well, we're talking about what it's great for. So we played that little game of like, you know, the vloggers, the writers. But let's talk about like what it's, what it's bad for, what it's not so great for. Here's an idea I want to float by you because no mention of the Philippines, you know, about hiring and staff would go without all the headaches it comes with. And of course, anything worth doing is enormously challenging. And there's some common challenges that come up in the Philippines. People all the time talk about the disappearing VA, right? Like the virtual assistant who just up and disappeared or the person who's, 
someone new in their family gets sick every week and they ask you for a forward of the salary or you know, if you hire in the Philippines, people are going to flake. They're going to flake because of personal stuff, because of work ethic stuff, or they're going to flake because of typhoon, because of weather, because of bad internet. Meanwhile, compare that with the average Vietnamese young professional. Great infrastructure, great internet, great work ethic. Why are we even talking about the Philippines anymore? And I was struggling with the question myself. Has the Philippines lost the English edge? 10 years ago, you go all around the world, South America, Southeast Asia, wherever, and the English penetration is a lot lower. And I think the reality is, is they've lost the English edge in some sense, but I don't really think they've lost the cultural edge. Here's my theory. Because English is essentially the national, one of the two national languages in the Philippines. By the way, this is an enormous cultural slight to like the 35 million Visayan speakers who populate. Can you imagine like 35 million people speak a language that's not considered a national language? Anywho, my theory is this. Because English penetration is so widespread in this country, when people get on the internet to play the hiring game, whether that's through Upwork or one of these job boards or whatever, and you don't have a really high-level hiring process, you're not just dealing with the top of the top. You're literally dealing with anybody in the Philippines from these hiring job boards because Filipinos are switched on. Like Every person in every city in this country knows somebody who works online, and they know how to get on those sites, and they speak the language, and they can apply to your job. And they might have done a good job applying to that job, and you might not have done a good job of asking them about their historical internet connection or what they do in a typhoon or what their backup plan is or whether they're on the cheapest local line or whether they have a 3G fob. I mean, once you get up to speed on hiring here, you figure out pretty quickly, you can weed out the flaky types. You can figure out the people who are used to working for professional organizations versus the ones who heard about through a friend of a friend of a friend that some idiot over in California is going to pay you twice as much as you make right now for half as much of the work. Meanwhile, they're working for three different people. They're doing a half-assed job. And then the moment a quite typhoon comes along, which is, by the way, anything because they've been overpaid for three months. So they're hanging out in the province, throwing parties. Maybe it's an actual typhoon. Maybe the typhoon is your competitor who hired them for <laughs> double as much. You don't know. But the whole point is, is that when you're dealing with some staff in other countries, including Eastern Europe, sometimes you're talking about these top level people who've risen to the top. When you're going to come and hire in the Philippines, you're going to be dealing with a broader cross-section of the professional landscape, and that's something to be conscious of while you're doing your interviews. Also, a good reason to show up. It's like one of the cheapest places in Southeast Asia to fly to from the United States. So if like all you wanted to do was come to the Philippines for the first time, show up and like interview five people, five or ten people while you're here, I think you'd have a great time, and you'd also have like a deeper understanding of, like, am I hiring the right person? Because I do think like it's one of those places and I think it's one of those cultures, like American culture. Like if you show up, you take initiative, you look somebody in the eye, you talk to them, that kind of thing is less likely to happen. I think everybody that we've like met with in the Philippines that we've hired has gone on to be like an employee for a long time with us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like the story is that it's legitimate tough to live in the Philippines. It totally is. I mean, 
we described it earlier, like the road in one of the most tourist place in this country is not finished yet. Yeah. So just imagine it everywhere else where there's even less money. Yeah. It's legit hard to get things done here. And it's legit hard for people to get on the internet sometimes. Well, you know, if you're saving yourself that much money, maybe you want to double up on that staff, you know, just in case their 3G FOP goes out. Or, or you could hire in a central area. I mean, one strategy that many people employ is you figure an anchor city out, whether that's, you know, probably going to be Manila or Cebu City, and you say, I am going to buddy up my staff so that they have local people that they can share knowledge with, and I'm going to hire through their network impartially, and I'm going to build in a central location. And so you got to be located within, you know, an hour of the center of X city. And I think that that can be a strategy to help combat those things. Deval, by the way, would be a third city to do this out of if you want to base yourself somewhere. But if you go further afield, yeah, you, you know, you could be dealing with in- infrastructure issues. And, and so those are like frank conversations that you can have with people. And if you can't come here, you know, definitely do video. Because a lot of times what I've noticed is on the one hand, I, there is legitimate challenges here in the Philippines. But on the other hand, a lot of times the reason so many of us come to the Philippines is to hire for administrative work or personal assistant stuff or virtual assistant stuff. And the reality is, is like, maybe you don't care about that work that much. It's not that big of a deal to you. And so, I mean, you kind of get what you give, right? And so if you're only putting in a little, uh, how can you expect people to show up every day as if they're this high level professional when they know as well as you that they're just doing grunt work at the bottom end of your value chain? The final point here, I had how to, how to hire or to do business in the Philippines but I think you, you covered that in that last point. So again, we talked about our Philippines story, our industry story, how like sort of inextricable, you know, the Philippines has been with the internet marketing story, especially, you know, in the English speaking world, what it's great for, what it's bad for, and how to hire or do biz here in the Philippines. It's almost 3 p.m. I don't know. I think in the Philippines, you can have beer before three, right? Yeah, I think that's totally acceptable. Okay. So... Let me just challenge you about this Philippines thing a little bit. I can't express how much of a game changer that one message was on that podcast I heard 10 years ago. It was that vision that I kind of felt like I had inherited from listening to that podcast episode that ran me into your office with the request for the plane ticket. So is there things that you feel like you can say confidently or at least like directives you could deliver to people that are inspired by the opportunity in the Philippines. I'd say this, and it's not really, it's not directly related to the Philippines, but when you're starting a business, like your runway is all you have. Like you got to figure out a way to get your personal and your business expenses as low as possible. So you can figure out how long you can burn for to get your company off the ground and ultimately, hopefully to profitability. And so I think you still have to come places like the Philippines to do a lot of that if you're starting an internet-based business. Now, we've experimented over the years with Americans and people from all over the globe, but I still think like Filipinos are like a great viable solution for that. I cannot imagine in this day and age like setting up an office in Austin, Texas unless somebody dumped several million dollars on my desk and like hiring a bunch of Austinites to start a company. It would just be a ridiculously it would be irresponsibly I think financially to do something like that. And I think you would have a, a low chance of, uh, of it taking off. And it's kind of up to you. Like once your business is up and running, maybe it's like too much of an issue for you to like call the Philippines and stay up late. I mean, 
we didn't talk at all about time zones in this episode, but I've been having a couple late nights here. It's definitely difficult. I legit think that there's a lot of very talented people here in this country want to do good work and uh, should definitely be considered at pretty much any level that your business is at. You know, a couple of people gave talks at DCBKK this year and they showed team slides and they had businesses like you're talking about. And every single one of them had their team of Filipinos behind them. I think that this makes sense to have a, a love letter because when something gets popular, when something becomes something that everybody does, it becomes easy to criticize. And so I think certainly over the last few years, there's been a lot more critique. You know, people have challenges working in the Philippines. But by the way, people have challenges working with staff anyway. Like, of course, you know, so part of the theme of this episode is, yeah, there's challenges dealing with the Philippines. Yeah, like other countries are coming up. But like you said at the top, ain't nothing changed. We're all still here. Yeah. It's all still going on and it's still an opportunity for you listening to this today. So, But it's been going on for 10 years. It has, but you know what was going on 10 years ago? I mean, trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of how to get money out of an ATM. I mean, nowadays, it's so much easier. People are so much switched on. We're in a sweeter spot right now. And so if you want to come here, here's some advice. I mean, you're under no obligation to hire anybody. Your job is to learn. Fly into Manila, fly into Cebu, fly into Devout. Pick your poison of one of the top three cities in the country that has a great educated base of employees. Fly in hang out for at least two weeks, interview at least 10 people across a variety of potential functions in your business, and have each of those people refer you to one other person for another. In other words, just get to know the professional culture in these countries and that experience and those people you meet and who they introduce you to over just that two weeks that investment over the next five years in your business could pay serious dividends because now if you're building a team of 10 to 20 to 30, I mean, Ian, how many people have we hired and have gone through our team in the last 10 years to always have that idea in the back of your head, oh, this would be a great position for so-and-so, or this is a place that I could go to Manila for or whatever. That's a, a super valuable piece of kit to have in your tool belt. And not to mention, you'll have some fun as well. Well, boss man, you're right to say it is almost 3 p.m. And it, Let's do it. Thanks for joining me. Just want to jump in here to let you know about today's Dynamite Deal. Of course, you can see all the details over at dynamitedeals.co. And this week, we're going a little bit rogue, but still on theme with the episode. So far, we've focused mostly on done-for-you services here at Dynamite Deals. But today's deal is a little bit different. It's all about reinvesting in the team you've already built, whether that's employees, freelancers, VAs, or like we talked about today, staff in the Philippines. The idea is simply this. So many of us can't afford expensive marketing agencies or services focused on just one marketing channel. We need actionable strategies across multiple channels. So what if you could save time and make more money by training your staff with actionable strategies in specific marketing channels. That's what today's deal and our deal partner ClickMinded is all about, providing clear, actionable, simple instructions on how to supercharge your marketing channels. And this deal includes seven different courses. 
So we're talking about SEO, social media marketing, sales funnels, email marketing, and much more. Imagine just what one training, let's say SEO, what a few more extra rankings could do for your business. You can have access for up to two team members for only $497, which is an incredible deal. We're talking a huge cut off the retail price. Not only that, but you'll have access to the SOP library. That's a standard operating procedure. So it's sort of like computer programming for your staff in the best case. Hook them up with a specific marketing channel that you think can grow your business. Make back your investment in today's Dynamite deal, which is, again, a one-time fee of only $497. So just take one of any of these marketing channels, whether it's paid advertising or content marketing or email marketing or SEO courses. And it's worth mentioning that these courses are focused on distilling actionable information that your team members can implement right away. And that information comes from some of the leaders in the tech space, whether that's Tommy Griffith, the founder of ClickMinded, used to be the SEO manager at Airbnb. They teach information learned at Techstars, at Lyft, and so on. So if you've already invested in a staff and want to supercharge their ability to grow your business, check out today's Dynamite Deal over at dynamitedeals.co. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.